I always love, um, one of the things I've noticed in our church the last few weeks is a lot of our men have been wearing plaid for some reason. Have you ever noticed that? And I guess I missed the yellow memo memo today. So I'll I'll get with it one of these. Uh, I usually go through, I did this last week, I actually said, hey, did I wear this shirt the Sunday before? Sometimes I do those things. Couple quick things. Um, This week, this Friday, is our food ministry setup. So the setup takes place in the fellowship hall. The food comes in between one, about one o'clock, and they set up till about four. So if you'd like to help out, if you're available to help out, that'll be in the fellowship hall this Friday. Saturday, our free food uh, ministry takes place at 10 a.m., but we'd love for you to come and serve at 9.30. Uh, We have things like passing out toys to the kids, helping people with their groceries to their cars, passing out groceries to people. Uh, It is really a, a blessing. I'd encourage you to come out and be a part with us, but come and serve at at 9.30. We are going to do a, um, a time shift later, but I don't want to say that because then you'll think about it. So yesterday after our men's and women's breakfast when I'd come by the church, there were two people out front thinking that it was food Saturday and one in the parking lot. Oh, and you feel bad because when you say second and fourth Saturday, that usually throws things off. Except there was a gentleman that has not been in our church for the last year. They actually moved. I, we kind of thought he moved. He kept telling us, you know, one day you're not going to see me. That's how he put it up. Like, kind of like Jesus said, right? One day you're not going to see me. Well, they moved. He shows up at the breakfast. Didn't say he was coming, just showed up. And I said, how did, how did you know that we had men's breakfast? I looked on the website. I thought, well, a lot of us, right, we just happened to think different dates. So um, anyways, 10 o'clock this coming Saturday, serving. Uh, but 9.30, come serve people. And then Sunday is Mother's Day. I learned the best lesson my first church that I pastored on Mother's Day. We started on Easter Sunday in 2003 that it was at the end of uh, April. We were in Garden Grove. And on Mother's Day, announcing Mother's Day, right where Michelle is sitting up front, there was a lady named Michelle that the minute we mentioned Mother's Day, she crumbled and broke and cried. I mean, just just a mess. And I, I remember after church, uh, talking with her, and I said something about, you know, are you okay? I noticed you were having a difficult time. She said, two years ago on Mother's Day, my mom committed suicide. So she said, every Mother's Day is a painful event for me. I remember thinking my sister-in-law, who was sitting in the back, her and my brother were not able to have kids. You know, they later would, would adopt. Mother's Day, though she had a mom, was difficult. So I, I know for some people, it's different than baby Father's Day. So we decided, and that was May of 2003, that any other time that we celebrated Mother's Day, we would celebrate all women on Mother's Day. Some of you feel like you're a, a mother again because of your grandkids, right? Or the neighbor's kids. or So all ladies that you come will celebrate uh, you. We have a gift for you next Sunday. And we have a guest speaker next Sunday, too. Michelle Hoffman will be speaking next Sunday right, for everybody. So she's going to do a six-part series. (laughs) Anyways, uh, she'll be up. That'll be this uh, next Sunday. And then um, our homeschool kind of co-op group, uh, Fundamentals, um, they're going to do a year-end. Like they had leftover money in their ASB fund, and so they're going to gift us with a bottle of 
water station that you fill up cold refrigerated water that we'll install out front this next week. It's about, you know, you can donate between eight and $900. So we're thinking about it between the um, project that they did with the concrete, which was probably $2,500 or up and this part, you know, it's been a huge blessing that they've blessed. Uh, uh, so make sure as it starts to get warm, you get whatever it is to fill up your bottle. Daniel, raise up your bottle real quick here. This, is, this holds about 16 gallons <laughs> and you get a hall pass. You can only go to the bathroom one time. All right, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. But bring your uh, water bottles. All right, uh, two verses today uh, for our offering. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven and eight. In fact, the apostle Paul writes this. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. We like that to read an abundance for every good work. But he says, God will make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things will have an abundance for every good work. In a couple weeks, we'll look at what was amazing in the early church was the generosity of heart that was not commanded by Jesus. Jesus didn't tell them, I want you that vacant land you got, sell it and bring it to the apostles' feet. You know, people did it because of that connection they had with Jesus, the cheerful giver. You know, you usually don't buy something that you're unhappy about. I can't believe I bought that, right? I'm hoping it shows up today at three. They said it'll arrive at three o'clock today, right? No, you usually don't do that. But God says, be a cheerful giver. So each and every week we put up a prayer and let's pray this individually from our heart to God, our father. Let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, father, fill me full today with your wisdom and understanding and thank you for your abundant blessings over my life. I am a cheerful giver. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're giving today in service, there's an envelope in the seat back pockets. Uh, you can take that envelope. You can place it in the offering slot on the wall when you exit uh, today. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online. You can also find our P.O. box on there as well for giving. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, if you have your tablets, you can open with me to uh, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. I'll get there in a minute. I want to look at some of the, the verses. In fact, the last several weeks, we've been looking at uh, several scriptures, looking at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus taught those disciples and followers that we read about in John 14, 15, 16, and on about the Holy Spirit, that it was important that he had to go. There would be a comforter that would come alongside. The spirit of truth would guide you into all truth. So he mentions all of these different names. In fact, one of the things that he tells the early disciples was to wait until the promise of, of what the Father had said. But he says this early in Matthew 24, and I wanted to read this. It's Jesus' words, Matthew 24, verse 14. And he says, and this gospel 
of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Now he says that in Matthew 24. At the end of Matthew and the end of Mark, we look at it as the Great Commission, the Go verses. But he says this, and I'm wondering, in fact, I put in my notes, and I encourage you to go to our website, download the notes, go through the different verses that we have, because I won't be able to get uh, into it with the time that, that we have together, but go through those verses. I wonder if they thought, how's Jesus going to do all that? Jesus wasn't thinking he was going to do it at all. He was giving the gospel to them to go and do this impossible task to take this gospel around the world. In fact, even the world at their time and the world that we think of to take this gospel, Jesus was going to empower them and give them that ability to do it. And so it does. It looks impossible, doesn't it? But when we read the Bible, we always read about different characters that things look impossible. Do you remember in Judges 7, the story of Gideon? And Gideon needed a mighty army to begin to fight, uh, fight the enemy. In, fa in fact, what God did was God kept limiting the different people that he had down to 300, right? God says, you're going to have plenty of people to fight because I'm going to fight this battle but you're going to have 300. In fact, it's funny when he lets the 20 or the 32,000 know, hey, if any of you are scared to fight, if you're a chicken, you want to just go home to mama, go home. Well, we know that 22,000 head out, right? Thank you very much. They head on out. So he, he works it down to there's only 300 to uh, us where it looks impossible. In fact, I think the stats will be there's now, if they fight hand in, there's 400 to one impossible odds. But where God works the best is he works the best when things are impossible, right? Take this gospel around the world. Well, we read uh, several weeks ago, in fact, I wanted to bring out in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and verses 14, where uh, it says this, that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he returned from the Jordan River. The Spirit led Jesus into the desert. And then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and stories about him spread all through the area. And really three things we kind of see about Jesus. He was filled, he was led, and he returned in the power of the Spirit, right? Filled, led, and returned. Well, in the book of Joel in the Old Testament, which is going to be verses that Peter is going to stand up and preach in Acts chapter 2. The prophet Joel prophesied that this would happen that we read about in Acts 2. And, and he says this, and he said, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. I still see visions. I'm a young man. And some of you get the heart. And uh, also on my maidservants, on my manservants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Well, those verses Peter's going to stand up and preach about to this group uh, of different people. You know, it's interesting in Acts chapter 1 at the end, in fact, Jesus tells this group of about 120. 
to wait for the promise of the Spirit. We know when we look at the timeline that Jesus had resurrected, and up until about Acts 1, it's been about 40 days that Jesus had been risen from the dead. Now he's going to tell them to wait. In fact, the waiting part is going to be about 10 days. But I thought this was interesting, and I always want to mention this, and you can look at it later. In Acts chapter 1, verse 26, we read, as they're waiting, that Peter stands up. And Peter stands up, and for some reason he thinks we need to choose another apostle because Judas hung himself. And so as we read the story, they get down to two, and when they get down to two, they cast lots, and the lots falls on a guy named Matthias. And they choose him to be an apostle. I always look at this, and I'm always cautious to say, this is my interpretation. That they got busy doing things, not waiting on the Spirit. They got busy thinking through some ideas. Hey, we need a 12th guy, right? Wait a minute. We've been missing Judas for a while now. We need another guy. Now, some might argue and say Matthias really didn't. We don't really read anything that he did later on. Well, there's some of the apostles we really don't read things that they did. But Peter's going to stand up in a little bit in front of a large crowd of people. And in that standing up, there's going to be something that is different. And I want to read this in Acts chapter 2. And this is verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, about 50 days, um, again, 40 days after Jesus uh, was seen, raised from the dead, and now another 10 days they've been waiting, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house, and they were sitting, and then there appeared uh, to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me read verse 4 again. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In fact, the New Living Translation says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So from Jesus in, John, in Luke 4 to Acts 2, we now see almost the very same thing. They're filled, they're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, and they're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter didn't wake up that morning and think, you know what, there's going to be a crowd today. I've got a great sermon lined up, right? Man, i got a really good one. Any of you that have uh, preached before or done a message, any of you have ever done a sermon that's really like, you thought, you know what, that one was really bad. I'm going to take that one out. I'm going to rip that one up. Well, if, if you're uh, preaching the word of God, the word of God doesn't return to itself void. You might not feel like it really connected at all, 
But there's always a heart. There's always somebody that needed to hear that one verse. But we don't read that from Peter at all that he got up. I got a good one today. Boy, there is going to be so many people except the Lord. But I like what Pastor Jack Hayford said, uh, and he mentioned it in his book, The Beauty of Spiritual Language. He said, before the church was ever birthed, Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples and others were filled with the Holy Spirit before the church ever began. So what we read in the book of Acts, especially here this early on, is we read a language from the Holy Spirit. We read about a power to be a witness for Jesus. We read about them being bold for Jesus in all different types of situations. You know, I looked this up just to make sure my figures were right. Do you know in Los Angeles County, there are 224 languages spoken? Is that amazing? And I, I asked this a couple weeks ago, but how many of you know more than two languages? Anybody here? A couple, like we got a few. Any over like three that you know over three? You got a few over three? Are any of you like me? Uh, I know I shake my head. I'm an American. I only know like one. You know, like one. All right, I'll, I'll admit it. 224 languages. Now, they say the easiest one to learn is French. I don't agree with that at all. I always thought maybe Spanish because some of our, our words kind of sound uh, the same a little bit. But around the world, there are 7,117 languages spoken. But we read in Genesis chapter 11, do you know there used to be one language? There was only one language. Wouldn't that have been so much easier that we all had one language? We all spoke the same. We could communicate. And yet we know from the Tower of Babel that God confused all of their languages and there's all of these languages. Now we've got different dialects in different places. I believe we were talking the other day, last Sunday, about the Philippines and all the, the hundreds or maybe a thousand different dialects that are out there of languages. And yet sometimes people get so shook that God has a language. But there's so many languages. In fact, what we read about is Jesus taught and told them of the promise of the Spirit, what the Spirit would do. We read in the book of Acts, again, about the language of the Spirit. We read about the power uh, of them being a witness of Jesus in the hardest times, being pulled into court, being thrown into prisons. And we read about their boldness. That a, a, a man thrown at the gate beautiful, which in all intents and purposes, Jesus may have walked by it or the guy at some time. But on that day, Peter and John have the boldness and they have no money to give him any money. But what they have is they tell him to rise and walk. Right. And I love that part of that story, because uh, when they tell him to look on them, you know, he's thinking he's going to get something that day. And they tell him to rise and walk. And this guy jumps and leaps, right, and praises God. And if you read the book of Acts, they take him everywhere. right? They take him everywhere. It's like this guy, we want to take this guy everywhere. He's been healed. Well, there was a boldness in all situations. Now, the Apostle Paul is now the one that teaches us, gives us doctrine about the Holy Spirit, about a language. And I want to read a few scriptures uh, today. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. So we read these verses, we can read them in Romans, 1 Corinthians, we read them in Jude, but Romans says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For when we do not know what we should pray,
pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. If anybody's ever called you in on a minute and said, pray for this, and sometimes you don't know exactly how to pray. Maybe there's not a, a verse that you research. We read in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit can help pray. In fact, we say this often, it's the perfect prayer from the Spirit to God himself. The Spirit is the one that makes intercessions on our behalf. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, the Apostle Paul says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 18 and 19. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. I thank God. He says, I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul is pretty bold, right? Paul was the one that, as Saul, that Jesus had a time with him on the road to Damascus. And this church wrecker, this Christian hater, this Christian murderer, completely transformed into somebody that God would use. And we know that he had insight, especially into this area. And then let me read this last one, Jude chapter, uh, in fact, Jude is really one book, right? So we don't really call it Jude 1, but it's Jude verse 20 and 21. And Jude says this, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus unto eternal life. Building yourself up. So when we look at Romans, the Spirit helps pray in our weakness when we don't know how to pray. The Spirit makes intercessions with groanings that are not uttered. Uh, Paul says, whoever speaks in a tongue is not speaking to men but to God. He mentions, he says, I'd rather speak five words in the church in my understanding, but I thank God that I speak in more tongues um, in more in tongues than you all. And then Jude says, you're building yourself up. And people have a hard time thinking that there's something kooky, all right, or some language. And we've all probably had, especially if you've been a, a Christian for a night, we've all had different experiences and things get blamed on the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that we learn is in the Holy Spirit, there is order, right? There's life. There's peace, right? There's comfort of all that. We should never be afraid. In fact, the scripture, even when I read it, really becomes a conviction to go back and to remember those beginning things, that there's power in the spirit when we do that. You know, I was thinking about this. Uh, I always want to make sure I say the date right. August 7th, Michelle and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage. 30 years, right? Um, and I was trying to, it only seems like, 60 years. No, I wouldn't say that. Right. <laughs> it only seems like 15, doesn't it? But then when you look and I have a 26-year-old daughter, I have a 20-year-old son, you think, you know, 30, 30 years. But to get to 30, it's required deeper relationship. You know, you live in those years of 
you get married. We, in fact, we had four years before kids. Then you have kids, and then they get older. Now they're in school. Now they have activities, and you're, you're juggling you know, everything around. Then they all move out. Then they all move back in, and they bring pets. You, know, you go through all of those you know, different types of seasons, but it's that bit of you, you're working on that deeper relationship, right? Because we see statistics all the time. When the kids move out, sometimes the husband and wife are, you know what? See ya. They never worked on that relationship. That's the physical part. Jesus knew. In fact, he said it over and over and over again. He had to leave because if he didn't leave, the Father wouldn't send the Spirit. And it was so important that he left so that they would have the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand that. And to them, that really didn't probably make any sense. And they didn't want him to leave. They wanted him to be there. But he knew how important it was. And what's interesting when we read, in fact, we ended it, and I'll pull this one last verse up, Acts 2.42. The early church didn't have some of the things maybe that we have today and all the things that we do, but the early church that is being spirit-led was steadfast around the apostles' doctrine uh, and fellowship. You know, you and I are surrounded by people that we love to see and we love to be around, right? And there are people that are around us that pray for us. Even if sometimes you didn't ask them to, sometimes the Lord puts you on their heart that they can pray for you. That's the power of the body, like the church coming together. It also talks about in the breaking of bread that there was power coming together, remembering when we have communion together. We're remembering Jesus and in prayers. Many times we forget, and really probably as pastors, we don't um, mention it enough that we see that in the early church. They were always praying. They were always praying. It was something that they, they always did. When Peter's in trouble in jail, when Paul's in trouble in jail, you'll read on there, the church is praying, right? Gates are going to open, angels are going to show up, soldiers are going to get saved, families are going to get saved, but the church was always praying. And remember, this all started because of the power of the Spirit that was on 120 that began to go out and be bold, right? They were going to be bold. So bow your heads, if you would, with me today. In fact, in our, our notes, if you download, um, there's a few questions about, as for me and my house. You know, I'm, I'm reminded when we do that that I'm probably praying too much in the flesh and not in the spirit, but it's, it's awesome and wonderful to know and to allow the Holy Spirit to prompt our hearts to pray, even if we don't know the exact situation, but to pray. Because the Spirit knows the mind and the heart of the Father. And then when there are, are needs that are like now needs, the Spirit can speak to us. But I would pray today that you would open yourself up. And, and maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. Maybe you've heard this uh, for several years. But you would press in and read the book of Acts that you would read these verses, that you would look at that God is the one that had orchestrated this for the power through the believer and his church. So Lord, we come today mindful that you are the one that orchestrated this, a language from the Holy Spirit. You're the one that set 
a power that we can be a witness. And in all types, in all situations, wherever it might be, that we can be bold and that we can be strong. We're never alone. And so, Father, as, as we do sometimes each and every week, we pray these words. In fact, would you pray this after me, Father? Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for an evidence of speaking in a tongue. I receive it. In Jesus' name. You know, j just like uh, we pray salvation, when, I, when you say the salvation prayer, you were saved. When you asked him to fill you with the Holy Spirit, you were filled with the Spirit. Now, there's some other things in studying and looking at it, uh, a language. Those are things we would love to talk with you about, pray with you about. But would you, from this day forward, if you prayed that and you believe that in your heart, allow the Holy Spirit to begin to do a, a new step in your life, all right? A, a, a language, a boldness, a power. Next situation that you feel like uh, that you don't know what to do, like Peter, stand up and take a step, right? Take a step. Well, stand with me. We're going to close with this song. We were, Walt and I were sitting down eating dinner at home. It was just the two of us. And uh, the kids were gone. Madison's married, you know, living in her own house. And we're eating dinner. And I look at Walt and I said, I know you still love me. But do you still like me? <laughs> and he looked at me and he saw of course I still like you, Michelle. And I said, well, I just wanted to make sure because the kids have their own lives now and it's just back to you and me. And we can love each other and not like each other. <laughs> it's true, right? Don't you know people like that? So I just wanted to make sure. And he's all, yes, I still like you. I said, okay, great. Did you know relationships take work and it takes work to not just like somebody not to to not just love somebody but to also like them you can sometimes get out of a rhythm well the holy spirit the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit they love you you are the apple of your father's eye we can get out of a rhythm of including the Holy Spirit in our daily activities and daily routines. Today, I want to encourage you. If you've dropped that ball, pick it back up. Include the Holy Spirit in your private devotion time. Pray in the Spirit. It will not only edify yourself, building yourself up, but it will also give you insight that you have not had for the situations and relationships that are going on in your life. The Holy Spirit not only loves you, he likes you. And he wants to spend more time with you. Those impossible things going on that you're facing, the Holy Spirit wants to be your partner in facing these things. He's got the answers. 
Will you do that this week? Begin to invest in that relationship once again. Amen? Well, on my way to church this morning, I was thinking about my week, and I thought, hot diggity, Saturday is food ministry. I was not there the week prior, and I am looking forward to Saturday. If you have time, come out and join us. I promise you it will be the best day in your week. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you. Bring your moms to church next week.